0: Welcome to the Shortwave Report. I'm your host and producer, Dan Roberts. The Shortwave Report is a 30 minute review of news and opinion heard on a shortwave radio and the internet in Northern California. Listening to international broadcast at home is quite easy. You could use a shortwave radio with a schedule of English language broadcast, or it's easier to use a computer or smartphone with an internet connection. In today's edition, you'll hear reports from NHK World Radio Japan, George Galloway's Mother of All talk shows, France 24, and Radio Havana, Cuba. We will begin with NHK World Radio Japan. Japanese Prime Minister Fumio Kishida will attend the UN General Assembly next week to express his views and attend a meeting on the Comprehensive Nuclear Test Ban Treaty. At the opening of a new session, UN Secretary-General Antonio Guterres spoke on the growing geostrategic divisions. South Korea fined Google and meta-platforms for privacy law violations. Iran is set to become a member of the Shanghai Cooperation Organization. At the meeting in Uzbekistan, the leaders of China and Russia met on the sidelines, agreeing to work together as fellow major or superpowers. NHK, Japan. Japan's Prime Minister Kishida Fumio
1: plans to attend the UN General Assembly in New York next week. Kishida disclosed the plan in an executive meeting of his Liberal Democratic Party on Tuesday. It'll be the first time in three years for a Japanese prime minister to attend the UN General Assembly in person. Chief Cabinet Secretary Matsuno Hirokazu said at a news conference that Kishida will speak about Japan's stance on global issues, including the Ukrainian situation, UN reforms and nuclear arms reduction. Matsuno added that arrangements are being made for Kishida to attend a leader-level meeting on the Comprehensive Nuclear Test Ban Treaty. The meeting will be held during the assembly to build momentum toward facilitating the entry into force of the CTVT. Foreign Minister Hayashi Yoshimasa says he plans to attend the assembly with Kishida
2: the head of the United Nations, says the invasion is causing fractures to deepen. He's urging unity as the General Assembly meets once again.
3: Geostrategic divides are the widest they have been since at least the Cold War. And they are paralyzing the global response to the dramatic challenges we face.
2: The 77th session kicked off on Tuesday. Antonio Guterres says the international community has not been able to come up with enough solutions. That includes one for the global surge in food prices linked to the invasion. Guterres says he spoke with Russian President Vladimir Putin by phone Wednesday. He said they discussed the obstacles related to the exports of Russian food and fertilizers. Leaders and foreign ministers from around the world will deliver speeches starting on Tuesday.
1: South Korea has hit US IT giants' Google and Meta platforms with fines topping a combined seventy million dollars for privacy law violations on Wednesday, the government levied a penalty of about fifty million dollars on Google. It said Meta, formerly known as Facebook, must pay about twenty two million dollars
3: Google. And Meta are- Google and Meta violated the
1: law by collecting and analyzing their users' behavioral information with other companies. They use that information to make inferences about users' interests or for customized advertisements without clearly notifying users in advance. The fines are the highest ever in the country for violating the personal information protection law. Yonghap News Agency says Google expressed deep regrets and will continue talks with the Commission on protecting user privacy. Meta officials told the agency the company will review all possibilities, including a legal challenge. Iran is set to become a member of a powerful bloc of countries, which includes China and Russia. Officials say Iran will join what's called the Shanghai Cooperation Organization. It's a major security and economic framework involving eight countries in Asia and Europe. The signing will happen at the bloc's summit in Uzbekistan this week. Iran's president is set to attend the meeting, where the country will sign an agreement, making it a full member. Iran has struggled economically as it faces tough American sanctions over its nuclear program. China and Russia are leading the conference. Their leaders are expected to hold face-to-face talks for the first time since Russia's invasion of Ukraine. We begin in Uzbekistan, where the leaders of China and Russia have met on the sidelines of a regional summit. It's their first face-to-face meeting since Russia invaded Ukraine.
3: Russia greatly appreciates China's balanced position on the Ukraine crisis. In
4: the face of drastic changes in the world and in history, China will work with Russia to exert leadership as a fellow major power.
1: Putin said Russia firmly supports Beijing's one-China principle. He accused the United States and its allies of taking provocative actions in the Taiwan Strait. Xi and Putin are attending a two-day summit of the Shanghai Cooperation Organization. This comes as Russian forces continue to suffer setbacks in Ukraine and Western countries step up sanctions. Xi is outside China for the first time in more than two and a half years. He's preparing for next month's Communist Party National Congress, where he's expected to seek an unprecedented third term as leader. Eight nations are members of the Shanghai Cooperation Organization, including India and Pakistan. Iran is an observer. It's expected to become a full member at the summit. Last month, one of Putin's closest aides said Russia wants countries in the group to be on the same side in what he called the global confrontation. But some former Soviet republics are keeping their distance from Russia because of the invasion.
0: Those reports were from NHK World Radio Japan. They are now heard from 9.30 to 10 p.m. at 7355 and 6165 or on the web at www.nhk.or.jp. All the times I announce are for Pacific Daylight Saving Time, so please adjust them to your time zone. On to George Galloway's Mother of All Talk Shows. His guest is University of Massachusetts Amherst Professor Richard Wolff, discussing the economic crises in the U.S. and Europe. Why is the U.S. inflation rate reportedly so much lower than European Union countries? Are European economies being sacrificed because of the war in Ukraine? And how permanent is the American empire? George Galloway.
4: Professor Wolff, thank you for joining us. I wanted to uh, ask you this question, which I genuinely don't know the answer to. The economy in Europe is literally plummeting uh, to the floor and beyond. But the economy in the United States does not seem to be. The pound and the euro are plummeting. The dollar does not seem to be. Why this dichotomy? there are two ways of answering
5: this. One way would be for me to explain that the United States economy is a very well-developed game in which a great deal of effort, especially among my colleagues economists, is devoted to making something look a lot better than it is. Let me say, just on a personal level, I was born in the United States, I've lived and worked here all my life. I have never seen the economic system here uh, in the kind of trouble it is in now. I have never seen the kind of divisions in this country that we have today, nor the bitterness and rage. Uh, The conversations turn on civil war here more and more Uh, It seems as though whole parts of the country are determined to live literally on a different planet from where the rest of us do, and it it gets worse. You know, I'm I'm reminded that for 30 or 40 years now, every leading official, uh, the first one that comes to my mind is our Treasury Secretary, Janet Yellen, gives a speech every few months about how we have to be careful that the level of inequality in our society, which is greater than that in Europe by quite a bit, that that is a problem we must face. Every leading politician has said it, and no politician, none of them, including uh, Janet Yellen, has done anything uh, to even slow the, the growing inequality. The inflation in the United States, currently at about eight and a half nine 9%, that's double the rate of increase in wages, which means, unless you don't know arithmetic, that the gap between employers who get the inflation of the prices they set and employees who have to pay those inflated prices without getting comparable wages, that gap is getting worse still than it was before. That's the first part of the answer. Second part of the answer. When an economic system like Western private capitalism, Europe, Japan, the United States, and so on, when a system like that begins to crumble, and when there are risks in moving your wealth uh, away from that area where you've kept it for a century, where are you going to put it? It's too early to give it to the Chinese, You're not so sure about where that's going, and nobody else is really in a position to attract you, so you put it with the dollar. If you're German or British or Japanese, you buy dollar securities uh, because, at least in the short run, it's not as dangerous as doing uh, what you might have done before— because of the very conditions you began with, the deteriorations in Europe. But I think that's all that's going on. And my guess is you're gonna see in the United States very similar uh, downturns in standards of living. We are hearing here about people who have not got the money this uh, winter to be warm. We are beginning to hear proposals like those in Europe of literally bribing the people to look the other way by giving them cash or some sort of uh, modest subsidy, anything to keep the game going. But there's a sense of desperation here that don't let the, the, um, the public relations fool you. We are in very, very deep trouble, and
4: no one has a clue how to get out of it. You have an inflation rate of eight and a half percent. We have one of fifteen percent, and the Bank of England itself expects that to rise to twenty-two point five, which you might as well say is twenty-five. And our workers too are being offered wage increases of three percent, meaning, if you uh, to use your immortal phrase, unless you don't know arithmetic, a very substantial reduction in your standard of life. And if you dare to go on strike as the railway workers and the postal workers have now done. You are excoriated as a wrecker, as Putin's uh, agent. Uh, You have uh, record gas prices, but uh, your gas prices would be a dream for us because our gas prices have to be seen to be believed. Uh, I suppose what I'm saying is there's a perception in Europe that we are being sacrificed by the United States, which is ready to fight to the last drop of uh, each Euro- Ukrainian, but is ready to fight to the last uh, European economy also.
5: That's absolutely true. There is, I mean, to be honest and blunt, most Americans, and I've made this effort in my classroom and in the, here in New York City where I live, uh, most Americans could not tell you where Ukraine was, cannot find it on a map, haven't devoted one iota of thought to it, barely listen when our leaders uh, provide their thin rationales uh, for the war, and all shake their heads at the humongous sums uh, being spent on sending weapons to Ukraine when there isn't enough money uh, to help people solve the most basic problems. One of the ways it is impacting here, and I I don't know enough about your situation, but we have an out of control housing market. The capitalist system here in the United States is not only pricing food out of the reach of millions, but it is even more aggressively providing housing that is so expensive that people literally cannot. Our record book, for example, now indicates that more people in the ages of 15 to 30 years of age, are living with their parents than at any time since the statistics of these sorts of things uh, were begun to be kept by the government. In other words, the particularities may differ, but yes, the United States is very, very determined uh, to fight to the last Ukrainian and to hope that more and more of the costs of it political, economic, military, will be borne by the Europeans. This has been an old American policy. It used to be that Europeans understood that for them, in some ways, the risk might exist that the Russians and the Americans come to an agreement by splitting the difference, namely who gets what part of Europe. Uh, that No one should imagine that the United States is in any way uh shy of having things uh work out like that it 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 is a remarkable quality here it comes from a hundred years of being able to think that the the empire that will end all other empires is this one the American one that it outmaneuvered the British who had the last empire and when you say to them yeah but all the signs look like China's coming up to be the next one They look at you blankly as if,
4: as if the thought had never crossed their mind. Professor Richard Wolf, thank you very much indeed for joining us on the Mother of All talk shows.
0: That excerpted interview with Professor Richard Wolfe was by George Galloway, a 30-year former member of the British Parliament, whose interviews used to be on RT for many years until they were shut down by the European Union and the United States. He now posts his shows on YouTube. Search for his channel called George Galloway. Next, Germany's Radio Deutsche Welle. In Sweden, far-right parties edged out the left in parliamentary elections, the first major shift since the 1930s. Armenia and Azerbaijan have accused each other of stimulating hostilities. Germany's Radio Deutsche Welle. Sweden's centre-left Prime Minister Magdalena Andersson has handed in her resignation following Sunday's general election.
1: Andersson's Social Democratic Party and their left-wing coalition lost by a thin margin to the conservative bloc that will be dependent on the far-right Sweden Democrats, a party that has its roots in a neo-Nazi movement in the 1980s and 90s.
2: A turning point in Swedish politics. Magdalena Andersson concedes defeat in the country's parliamentary election.
0: It looks like the four right-wing parties have received just 50 percent of the votes in the election and in parliament. They have a one- or two-seat advantage. It's a thin majority, but it's a majority.
2: It's a major hit to the prime minister's social democrats. They have governed Sweden since 2014 and dominated the country's political landscape since the 1930s. Now this man, Ulf Kristersson, is expected to form a government. His bloc includes the Sweden Democrats, a far-right party that has vowed to make Sweden safe again by bringing in longer prison sentences and restricting immigration. People in the capital reacted to the news of the bloc's narrow win.
3: It's a sad sign of the times that we're living in, that they can uh, uh, profile themselves on scaring up, scaring the people with that, uh, where it's unsafe to live in Sweden with with all the criminals and uh, all the activities and so forth. That only affects about one or two percent of the people in Sweden. Most people, they live a very, very, very secure life. So how they can win an election on that? It's ridiculous. There are a lot of big questions in our society today that uh, in some ways hasn't been addressed correctly and I think a lot of people uh, have been longing for a change, uh, even though that change uh, sometimes means shifting the, uh, the polarity to the right in this case.
2: Sunday's vote was one of the closest elections ever in Sweden. Thousands of overseas and postal votes were needed to get a clearer picture of who the winner was. However, it could take weeks to form a government.
1: Armenia and Azerbaijan have accused each other of fresh rounds of shelling as hostilities reignited between the longtime foes. Some 100 troops have been reported killed this week. Armenia's defence ministry warned clashes could escalate into war – while the Azerbaijani military accuses Armenia of shelling its positions near the separatist region of Nagorno-Karabakh.
0: Those reports were from Germany's Radio Deutsche Welle, which may be heard at a combined audio-video website, DW.com, as well as on YouTube at their channels called DW News and DW Documentary. If you have questions or comments about the shortwave report or could assist me by supporting this listener-funded program, I may be reached through the website and PayPal or by writing to Dan Roberts at PO Box 1162, Willits, California 95490. Please help me continue producing this weekly show which I freely distribute to radio stations and the internet like a repeat supporter in Willits, California did this week. Many, many thanks. We will conclude with Radio Havana, Cuba. At a rally in front of the U.S. Embassy in Mexico City, Julian Assange's family demanded his release as U.S. Secretary of State Blinken arrived. The death of Queen Elizabeth has rekindled the long-running debate about British colonialism. On September 11th, the world remembered the 1973 military coup in Chile, supported by the U.S. government and the CIA. Radio Havana, Cuba
3: At a rally held in Mexico City, shortly before the arrival of U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken, Julian Assange's father and brother, John and Gabriel Shipton, were present outside the U.S. Embassy to demand the release of the WikiLeaks founder. The 24F Life and Liberty Coalition called for a rally with cyclists before the visit of the U.S. Secretary of State, who arrived in Mexico for a dialogue with officials from the administration of President Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador, known as AMLO. Assange's father said, I want to thank Mexico for its hospitality and support for Julian Assange. Its support has been tremendous, particularly President Lopez Obrador. Gabriel Shipton said, quote, Anthony Blinken travels the world saying that free speech is a top concern in Washington, but they continue to persecute Julian Assange. He is a global symbol of free speech. He added that, quote, the U.S. cannot give lessons on free speech while the best journalist in the world remains in prison. During a press conference held on July the 18th, Lopez Obrador revealed that he had sent the US President Joe Biden a letter requesting the exoneration of the Australian journalist whom the US authorities are trying to prosecute for the revelations made through his portal. Amlo said, quote, I left a letter with the President explaining that Assange did not commit any serious crime. He did not kill anyone or violate any human rights. He exercised his freedom. I told him that a arresting Assange would mean a permanent affront to freedom of expression. The death of the UK's longest reigning monarch and the subsequent coronation of her successor has rekindled the long-running debate about colonialism and how the British monarchy spawned systems of oppression and slavery worldwide. While Queen Elizabeth II's death on Thursday led to an outpouring of grief in the West, it also revived the British monarchy's colonial legacy, with people across the world seeing her as a symbol of an institution that thrived through violence, oppression and theft at its height about a century ago britain was the largest colonial power with its monarchy holding sway over four hundred and twelve million people or nearly one-quarter of the world population in different corners of the globe from south asia to africa Queen Elizabeth II, who ruled over the United Kingdom for seven decades, died at the age of 96. Prince Charles succeeded to the throne immediately on the death of his mother, but will be formally proclaimed the new monarch at an accession council on Saturday. With the accession of King Charles III to the throne, it remains to be seen whether he will enjoy the same clout as his mother, as the leader of the United Kingdom and the head of state of 14 other countries, including Australia, Canada and New Zealand. Last year, Barbados, one of a dozen Caribbean nations which are Commonwealth members, ditched the British monarch as the head of state. Jamaica, the Bahamas, St. Kitts and Nevis, St. Saint Lucia, St. Saint Vincent and the Grenadines, and Grenada, amongst the Caribbean islands still recognize the British monarch as their head of state. In March this year, A group of 100 Jamaican political activists published an open letter to Prince William, the incoming monarch's eldest son, demanding reparations. Quote, we see no reason to celebrate 70 years of the ascension of your grandmother to the British throne because her leadership and that of her predecessors have perpetrated the greatest human rights tragedy in the history of mankind. On Sunday, the world remembered September the 11th, 1973, 49 years ago, when the constitutionally elected president of Chile, Salvador Allende, was overthrown in a military coup by Chilean Army General Augusto Pinochet. The coup was supported by the U.S. administration of Richard M. Nixon and the Central Intelligence Agency, the CIA. A fascist military coup would begin a bloody dictatorship with thousands killed or disappeared, and the dismantling of the social gains made by the Chilean people under the popular unity government for three years. To to commemorate the anniversary yesterday, President Gabriel Boris vowed to intensify the search for disappeared victims of the fascist coup. During an event at the La Moneda Palace, Boris said, quote, There are 1,192 disappeared detainees, and we still do not know where they are. It is not acceptable. It is not tolerable. And he added, 49 years ago, President Salvador Allende and his collaborators gave us an historic lesson of loyalty, consequence, and above all, dignity.
0: Those reports were from Radio Havana Cuba. Cuba's website is working well at radiohc.cu, though podcasts are not updated. On shortwave, Cuba may be heard from noon to 1 p.m. at 15140 and from 6 p.m. to midnight at either 6,000, 60, 60 or 6165. At their website, you can stream the English version only at noon, Monday through Friday, Pacific Daylight Saving Time. One of my goals in producing this show is to encourage people like you to listen to international broadcasts, get a global perspective. You have to look harder these days because of U.S. and E.U. prohibitions on media. Every Thursday evening, I post a new shortwave report at the website for this show. That's outfarpress.com. At my website, you can also listen to past shows. Please consider making a safe donation online through PayPal There's a link at my website along with a podcast link, and get advice for listening at home. The shortwave report, which is now in its 26th year of production, remains free to rebroadcast upon notification. The shortwave report is produced and distributed off the electrical grid in Northern California using solar panels. I'm your host and producer, Dan Roberts. Thanks for listening.